The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. This is Rev. Jackie Fernandez, and it is my great joy to have on Voices of Unity today the one, the only, Rev. Linda Martello Witsit. Linda, welcome. Oh, it's such a great joy to be back with you, Jackie. Uh, good to have you back. And we have your co-writer for your new book, This Life is Yours. Also your daughter, Alicia Witsit. Welcome to Voices of Unity, Alicia. Hi, Jackie. So good to have you. So for those who may not know Linda or Alicia, I want to give a little bit of background. And um, if, if you're thinking Linda's name sounds familiar, you've probably read another one of her books. Or you may know that she um, works at Unity World Headquarters with Unity Prayer Practice. She is the winner of the 2011 Best Spiritual Author Competition for her first book, How to Pray Without Talking to God. She is inspiring and was a the minister at Unity of San Antonio uh, for 14 years before becoming vice president of Unity Prayer Ministry. And she provides global prayer support 24-7. You can go to silentunity.org and get your prayer on. Linda has a BA in leadership from Bellevue University and lives in Kansas City, Missouri. So her website, if you want to learn more, is you are, and those are the letters, you are hyphen divine.com now for alicia first time author so congratulations to you alicia and lifelong student of unity teaching so we may need to have a conversation about what it's like being a a preacher's kid (laughs) we we might circle around back to that (laughs) and she has a ba from the university of texas and um wait a minute this word is cut off what is your bachelor in Oh, in sociology. In sociology. Okay. Well, welcome, 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 and big congratulations. This book is amazing. And I know I touched base with Linda with you a couple of times while you were in your process of writing. You were on my show and you kind of talked about your process. So I want to hear about the process, the inspiration, and then we're going to get into the meat of the book. (laughs) Well, I'll start us off with that because uh, my decision to write a third book came from the promptings of my publisher that said I was long overdue for the next message. I had contemplated what that might be about. And at the time, of course, taking the the lead at Silent Unity, I felt like I wanted to explore the principles of healing and more deeply, of course, for my work, but also for my life, right? And uh, so I sat one day, I remember it was a winter day, it was two and a half years ago, and was sharing with Alicia some of the themes that were emerging in my mind, you know, starting to think outline out loud for the book. And uh, as I was talking, I was just watching the look on Alicia's face, and she started sitting like at the edge of her seat. And I want her to tell you the rest. (laughs) (laughs) All right, tell us. Yeah, I 
I was just so excited. And I think in the present moment of what she was doing, that I wasn't even thinking about me contributing. I just thought that her message was so strong and so needed that I just started bouncing ideas off of her. And we just had this natural flow. And she turned to me and said, do you want to write this book with me? And I I just really thought, you're kidding, right? You know, first of all. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I, I do. I want to write this book. So we we just dove in. That's amazing. And so, Linda, I was um, on staff at Unity World Headquarters while you were writing this book. And so I would hear you talk about your writing weekends. <sighs> Yes. Well, we we devoted, of course, it's like having a second full-time job when you're writing a book and doing all the work. And Alicia really kind of dove right into that. And Alicia had a very different experience of this than I did. And I would like her to share as well. But we, we did, we worked intensively and we even took ourselves away. We went to a hotel in uh, Nebraska city. One of my favorite places, um, you know, the, um, it's uh, the Arbor Day Foundation is there, so it's a gorgeous place. And we tucked away for a whole weekend. And then toward the end, we actually went to um, um, Alicia booked us an Airbnb during COVID uh, all by ourselves out in uh, near near Branson. Um, and we just hunkered down for a whole weekend. It's just really glorious, intensive time uh, together and and in this work. That's amazing. And how beautiful that you were able to take that time to get away and really focus. So Alicia, what was that experience like for you? So the times that we went away, I thought were were the best for me because that one was we that was when we were together. Uh, the process for actually writing was pretty individual. And I think that the shift for me was learning how <laughs> learning how to be a writer because this is this is brand new to me and um I'm a little more free flowing than my mom a little less structured and um <laughs> I guess procrastination <laughs> that that word comes into play a lot for me but also uh, as I write in this book and people will understand a little bit more about what's going on with me I was actually uh, pretty sick during this writing process during most of it so um having to intentionally map out time to rest and recover while working a full-time job while writing this book was, um, it presented some challenges for both of us. So I think what mom did for me was she allowed me the space to do it on my own time. She, she continued to work while I gathered my thoughts. And then when I was ready to go, I just went. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know, I I know your mom well enough to to really have a sense of that about her. That um, if there's anything I, I could say, like I know definitively, is that Linda trusts time and she trusts people. Yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me to hear one that she gave you that time and space. It also doesn't surprise me to hear that you had that kind of challenge in the process of writing this book, mm-hmm. you know, you know, kind of like you invite to your own experience that which you set forth to write, teach, you know, share with the world. And so I'm wondering <laughs> if that in and of itself influenced your writing. Oh, 100%. Oh my goodness. And I think we would just sit down and, and look at each other 
as we would reread these chapters, you know, you're going through this really cathartic process all over again. You're you're reliving these memories and we we had some difficult memories to process together. And um mom, I'll let you share, you know, your portion of that, but there was there were um some stories that that I had to share with my mom in order for us to write this book. And um healing, yes, absolutely, but very hard. Very hard for both of us. Oh my goodness, yeah. And you know, we had been we had been really um developing our relationship, our close relationship, our relationship of honesty and you know, trust of each other, all that stuff through through recent years. So that part I think was pretty easy. The tough part was, you know, looking back on our life as mother and daughter and things that happened that especially to Alicia um, when she was victimized, you know, and uh, as a young person that I didn't know the details and I still don't know, don't really want to harbor details in my mind you know, because I just don't want, I don't want that, that depth, but I got enough of a sense of, of what Alicia faced that the heartache of that, the, the trauma, um, you know, I know she had her own trauma, but I had the trauma of the, you know, the, the mythology that we, that parents should be able to protect our children. And I couldn't, you know, we can't, we can't protect our children from the world and from their own experiences from uh the pain and suffering uh and oh my gosh what painful and healing awarenesses came from this wow that's incredible thank you for sharing that um i you know whew, that's deep to really be present to each other in that healing kind of way that that also allows you to transmute that learning, that healing, that honesty into words that then can serve other people. What a tremendous message to give to the world mm -hmm. and by demonstration. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. We hadn't realized, you know, I don't think, at least I'll say for myself, I hadn't realized the theme, the strength of the theme of healing of relationships in this book, <laughs> but it yeah. comes out naturally, you know, as we start talking mm -hmm. about it, you know, the, the, the family ties, the family healings, oh my gosh, you know, in ministry, Reverend Jackie, you've experienced this, no doubt in ministry, that's such a dominant theme for people, oh, yeah. the yes. pain of fractured close relationships especially family relationships and oh my word so uh, i think there's some work for us to do in the world some some teaching and training some sharing of this message uh where that might be really being sought you know yeah well and i love on the back of the book um at the top it says heal your life and discover how everything can be right even when everything seems all wrong and, you know, that's the way that you two have gone about um, writing this book so honestly and authentically and allowing yourselves to go through that kind of healing through, you know, refinement by fire, maybe um, experience. And that's the real work there. And what we can offer other people is that, you know, we're not 
we, we can't wipe away, you know, even as much as a mother would like to protect their child and we can't wipe away the pain that we experience in our interpersonal relationships, but we can access a healing journey, even in the midst of great and deep pain. You know, you're really, you're really getting to the heart of what our message is about. And I know Alicia can even say more about this, but we were so clear, Jackie, you know, the theme today, and Alicia was just in a YOU rally, an online YOU graduates rally this weekend. And one of the dominant themes there is about um, the, the degree to which the message that so many of us received in our unity training even um, caused spiritual bypassing mm-hmm. and caused metaphysical malpractice. And we just really were so clear to correct that misappropriation of the message um, and invite people to really be real with where they're at, to accept and acknowledge their human conditions, uh, you know, and 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 that's a part of the healing process. Alicia, you might you might be able to say that even more clearly than I could. I mean, that was pretty spot on. I was just thinking, you know, we we have to be able to make peace with our past. Like that's the ideal, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can gloss over, like you said, Jackie, all those things that happened to you. It's more that you free yourself from the meaning behind it, you know, the meaning that you make of it behind it. And even looking back at my YOU experience, so much of it was this dichotomy of love and um, total acceptance and authenticity, but also the harm. And that was what we talked about, the harm of if something is really going on with you, you're experiencing grief, you're experiencing trauma, as so many teens Mm. are and are not freely able to speak of that. Here we are in this environment, we're raised in unity, where we have people who are celebrating our diversity, and we can have those heart-to-heart connections. So what happens when you tell somebody that you're dealing with trauma and their response is, you create your own experience? Gosh, that breaks my heart. That was what we were undoing this weekend. And it was Mm -hmm. so powerful because so many of us have moved on and we're adults now and we're thinking, my goodness, why, why are we here in this place now and and that's not a blame thing it's just an awareness it's another level of awareness yeah and a really important one you know I just recently um with my church did we started out the new year with a series called new thought for a new year and it was basically back to basics our foundational unity and new thought teachings but the very first um, Sunday, I it was um, positive spirituality versus toxic positivity. I wanted that to be like the foundational conversation that we keep bringing forward through every aspect of our teachings is how to get out of the habit of toxic positivity, which is I think what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, that we do, that we inadvertently blame people. <laughs> You know, when we when we don't give the true depth of our teachings, when we leave it at a surface level, then people can easily, very easily walk away thinking um, that they are to blame 
and, and that just cultivates and harbors more shame um, which is the opposite of healing. <laughs> yes, it's a position from which we cannot heal. That's absolutely yeah. the case. And, you know, we we really go into some uh, description in here about how this has come about for us, that so many of us have, have crossed a bridge from the religion of our childhood, from the cultural religious atmosphere that taught us that you know god would would give us hardship or illness or you know any kind of troubles you know for for various reasons i mean we we understood it as god was punishing us which is you know a terrible thought or god was um was was would only give us what we could handle like god was strengthening us through this hardship or God was teaching us a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these terrible, to me, terrible perceptions or or, or misdefinitions of the nature of God. Um, and we grew up with this, and these became really default. So we transitioned into unity, and we just changed blaming God, giving God all the credit and the blame for all the stuff going on in our lives. To just blaming ourselves we did it you know yeah. i brought this about mm-hmm. and terrible devastating um devastating even worse than saying god did it was saying that i did it yeah oh yes that it's that victim blaming and shaming and we you know when we experience the dark nights of our souls when we experience any kind of health challenge or challenge in relationship we want something to blame or someone to blame, you know, that's, you know, part of human nature and the sort of ego mind trapping of, of looking for survival, how to get out of it. If you know who the enemy is, mm-hmm. then, then you know how to fix it. And that's sort of just a shortcut band-aid way to, um, and not really healing, but just to get out of pain. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it makes sense. And, um, you know, breaking the habit of, putting that onto God, the God concept, but also like, that doesn't mean it's my own fault, you know, the getting to that, well, things happen that are beyond my control and beyond any particular person's control. And some things happen because someone else did it, (laughs) you know, like to be able to really like be in it and, and to understand that people make terrible choices and people, you know, cause horrendous harm to others and and being able to say that is not that doesn't take away from anyone's you know inner Christ light and, and the truth of, of who they can be but we're going to talk about what who they are being in this moment or, or who I'm being in this moment and so that I can get to the root of, of where I can take myself in a healing process so one of the questions um, that you ask in this book or, or what, something that you talk about is understanding healing so in this context of what we're talking about, how do you take us to a place of understanding healing? Well, that healing, it, it, it's to really dispel some of the mythology of healing, right? Because we we have been patterned to see healing as, uh, as a play, uh, something, a play, something to get to, right? A destination. Yeah. Um, we've, we, we, we call it, you know, uh, we, we think of it as a finality. You know, I'm going to get to this place of healing and then I'm going to be done, 
right? And it causes us this feeling that we have to strive to get somewhere. And, uh, and our message is very different from that because wholeness is, is already the truth, <laughs> right? Yeah. Wholeness, at which, which means that it's a recognition. I'm more than this body and a set of conditions. Uh, and I am, I am, um, the ever existent, uh, you know, wholeness of being within the whole, within all that is. I mean, when we say, um, you know, wherever I am, God is, uh, we're, we're talking about allness. We're talking about, um, ever presence. Right. And so I, I exist within that and I'm, I am, I am whole. Um, but, and that's a very strange concept when I think of myself as broken or something about my life broken. Um, and I want to get to healing. I mean, so many of our prayers, even Jackie, I hear them. I hear, you know, I'm praying for a restoration of my wholeness or to return to wholeness. We're not going anywhere. Wholeness is (laughs) right. The the return is my own awareness. It's the return. It's my awakening or realization of that principle of wholeness. Right. Right. And yeah. my, my understanding of, you know, how the law of attraction kind of plays into that, because just, you know, circling back to the previous conversation that we don't cause our experiences. So law of attraction to me, it, it is that connection between the human and the divine, right? So everything in our lives, we're tapped into, um, I am, we're tapped into that. That's not necessarily saying that everything that I think about and and bring about, it's what happens, right? But it's opening yourself up to to the awareness that I can experience more out of my life when I do have positive thoughts, when I do pay attention to my thoughts. But that doesn't gloss over the harm or the cause um, the cause of harm that's happened from, from other people. I want to be really clear about that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So important to bring that forward that, um, it's not a dismissal of our lived experiences. Yes. And that we're not, that the law of attraction doesn't mean that I, I thought something, I had some stinking thinking that caused this illness or that caused this, um, assault or, or whatever it is that's happened to me. Um, that, that is, it's such a simplification of a complexity that includes vibrational connection. It includes the pattern of thinking that I have become accustomed to and how I look for, you know, unconsciously, you know, look out into the world and feel for things that feel like a match to that. But none of that is a conscious decision. And we, we, to, to hold ourselves um, in blame for bringing about those things is just really greater harm. Absolutely. And you know, something I, I'm curious to hear what you both think about this because something I think about is, you know, if time is an illusion, right? We tend to think of, you know, something happens that, so there's the before something happens, then there's something that happens that, that causes us pain or, um, disease or illness or, um, whatever. So there's an event trauma and then there's after. So before then there's the event and then there's the after. And oftentimes I think that that vibration 
really comes to play in the after. So the meaning I make of it, which you kind of talked about, Alicia, the meaning, we are meaning makers, the meaning I make of that event becomes the vibrational tone through which I can experience healing. And so if, if time, it's, it's not that, like what we want to think is, well, before the event, there was something in my consciousness that brought that event to me. But it could be that it's the whole of it all at the same time, if you squish it together, because time's not real, then, then the whole of that vibrational tone is as much about the healing path forward. Yes, yes, that, that resonates with me very strongly. Because when I can look at it now, when I can look at those experiences as an adult, even, you know, even five years ago when I was um, sort of reliving these, these experiences for the first time and, and bringing light to, uh, it, it was, it was really difficult for me to say that I was victimized. And so that was a whole, a whole nother level of awareness, but circling it all the way back to before the event happened and who I was and then looking at when things happened you you can't sit there and say well I was predetermined to have these things happen to me right and that now that I'm healing from it well this is the why it's happening it's it's here so that I can spread this message I don't feel like that's it either but there is this there is this awareness that I can look back and see myself and I can see myself separate from those situations, not yeah. in a detached, unhealthy way, but in a way of really honoring that child, really honoring that wounded child and giving her love and a voice now. I love it. And kind of what you're talking about is, is not incorporating the events into our identity. Yes. And I think that's that's really important. What's your take, Linda? Well, that's boy, that's such a beautiful way to say that because that's really where we go with this. That healing is about you know recognizing, um, you know, you feeling feeling the feelings, but then not letting the feelings be the leaders of of what we do and think next. Yes, that music means it's time for a break. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Reverend Linda Martella Witsit and Alicia Witsit. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. And we are back with Reverend Linda Martella Witsit and Alicia Witsit, co-authors for This Life is Yours. Discover your power, claim your wholeness, and heal your life. We've been talking about the approach to healness and and how the two of you have incorporated um, a way to sort of protect ourselves against 
uh, spiritual bypass and toxic positivity and really get into the flow of healing, what it is and what it isn't. Um, and I'd like now, let's talk about, because you, you have affirmations throughout the book, and let's talk about your approach to affirmations and let's let's hear some. Well, sure. Uh, you know, I, I've written about affirmations, denial and affirmations, Unity's teachings of that in uh, How to Pray Without Talking to God. Uh, and so using some of that same understanding, you know, what we really wanted is to give, um, you give some some languaging to, to, for, for people to take to heart. Um, you know, that, that, and the, the affirmations are a string of affirmations that follow several of the sections. So there's like, there's 20 some different affirmations in the book. Um, and, and our approach to affirmations is that they are telling ourselves a truth now, a truth about what's, what's real and true right here and now. What is my power right now? They are not magic formulas. They're not magical thinking. Um, and they don't have us escape from what is. So for an example, you know, when I'm in bed, uh, you know, feverish and, and shivering and, you know, snotty nosed, all that stuff, you know, to say to myself, I am whole and well, it, it, it may be ultimate truth, but it's not accessible truth. <laughs> yeah, right? like you don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. I really don't believe it. And, and then that's I, where, like what we talked about, that blame comes in, right? So then I must not be saying it right. Or yeah. I must not be saying it enough times. God never did listen to me. And you start going down this, like, dark path. <laughs> yes, yes. It's and it's so many people. Even when you think, when you ask them about, you know, Unity's affirmative prayer, what is an what is affirmative prayer? Well, it's it's saying what you want to say as if it's already happened. Oh, no, 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 no. There's a truth that's alive right now. So when I'm in that bed suffering, <laughs> physically suffering, I can say to myself this real truth. Even right now, every cell in my body is alive, and it is thrumming with. That with the and streaming life to me, and it is doing exactly what it's designed to do. That's a truth right now, right? I don't have to jump out of my present experience in order to claim that. And that's really what these affirmations are about for people. I love it. Alicia, would you like to read this one? Oh, absolutely. I am going to share the affirmation for understanding. Curiosity is natural to me. I want to understand that of me which is real and true and enduring. Although in the past I tried to figure out why unwanted things happened, today I am more interested in how I can support wholeness and well-being. My bright mind is capable of understanding habits of thought that would have been unhelpful to me, capable as well of cultivating healthful habits of thought. By my innate power of understanding, I can go beyond conscious thought to spiritual, mystical reality, where in a state of awe, I experience a direct and life-changing realization of my true nature, which is wholeness. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that can really be worked with. I yeah, and yeah. I, I am going to tell you that my mom wrote all of these affirmations. And what I think 
it is so great for for readers to know and understand is that me working with these affirmations is powerful and and life-changing so um this is the work this is the work working with the affirmations working with the powers working with our spiritual capacities it's this is if if people I know we have unity listeners here but we wanted this to branch out to people beyond unity to access these tools I love it you know, I, I love the flow in this affirmation that you shared. Um, curiosity is natural to me. So right there, um, it acknowledges my thinking mind and that, you know, where my curiosity might take me into um, ideas that, that aren't true or real or helpful. It also can take me, you know, in ideas that are helpful and life affirming and life giving, but it, it just acknowledges curiosity is natural to me. So I don't have to get into whether I'm doing it right or not. I can just allow the mind to flow. So curiosity is natural to me. I want to understand that of me, which is real and true and endearing. So that gives my desire. Mm. And, and then we, we acknowledge that although in the past I tried to figure out why unwanted things happen today, I am more interested in how I can support wholeness and well-being. So it just, I love the navigation of that, that it takes me through what is real here and now in my experience and in my mind and in my flow of thinking. And, and but it leads me down this, this path of a true spiritual, emotional, mental, physical help. Yes. Mm. And you're giving yourself permission. You're empowering yourself through this. And that's, that's what's just so mind-blowing to me. Every every time I read it, I feel reinforced that I am the one in control. And how many people are feeling like somebody else is running the driving the bus, you know? Absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, the media really helps us out with that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. everything I eat or drink is going to cause cancer. So I have no I have no hope in my life. So, you know, I mean, we, we, we can get so disempowered, um, just by waking up and consuming any, any kind of, you know, social media or television or, you know, reading newspapers, magazines, listening to the radio, all of those things, interacting with other humans, you know, we can, um, start down this, this path of thinking and habit, thought habit, um, that really, gets in the way and clouds what is truly possible for us. Well, and especially Jackie, we look at the whole of our culture that gives us these messages. There's a there's an entire section on this uh, when we ask the question why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? That our answers to that question why are very patterned for us depending on you know, what we internalized from the world around us, and especially from our religious, our religious uh, social environment, from, um, you know, from our first families, from the medical, from what we, what the collective consciousness says about, about medicine, uh, all these systems in our life have given us um, the, the, the message that we are helpless. And I'm sorry to say that religion has done that as well. Um, and so to be able to claim our divine identity, uh, you know, it's unity's theme. 
And yet, even in unity, there's such an edge at which it feels so uncomfortable to get all that powerful, right? Because somehow we think that we're being we're being um, disloyal to God, maybe if we if we don't let God be powerful and we be weak. I mean, it's a very twisted kind of very non-intellectualized kind of understanding, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a lot of mental gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but to get to that, to get to start to open to that possibility that I am not powerless at all, that all power is wherever I am. Yeah. That's, that's deep. I mean, and just working with that thought, that idea, I mean, that can take the rest of your days. <laughs> Well, of course, yes. Because, you know, we are constantly bombarded with, um, you know, the opposite, with ideas that conflict with that, with that, that truth. And so to really keep returning to that and um, identifying with it, incorporating it into our identity is the real work. And, and it pulls so much other crud out, right? Everything within us that, that uh, conflicts with that. Yeah. And really, you know, we... we those of you who are familiar with my second book, Divine Audacity, you'll find in this book that we bring back the 12 powers in here. And when we speak about, you know, empowerment, uh, in fact, what Alicia read about understanding follows the our, our writing about the power of understanding. So each of our spiritual powers can be brought to bear in our awakening to our wholeness. And, uh, and not only each of those powers, but how we can turn them on. I mean, we, this book is full of spiritual tools um, that, that give very pragmatic kind of approaches to how I can put myself in a state of mind and being where I am really receptive to my wholeness. I love that. Let's talk about, speaking of what's in the book, the 15-minute break. Yee! Well, 15 <laughs> minutes is enough time. I mean, those of you who, who listen to Abraham message, you hear this message from Abraham. It's known from brain, brain science that 15 minutes is enough time to change your brain chemistry that that you know especially just imagine and alicia can imagine this because this was her experience and i am i've had this experience at periods of time um when i was going through an illness process or something like that it feels interminable and and it can be absolutely consuming of all of my attention so to, to consciously dedicate 15 minutes every single day to something very simple that I can practice that puts my attention on wholeness, on the fullness of my life, on what I'm able to do and be, to do that deliberately. And we, we propose a whole alphabet of possibilities of things you could do in just 15 minutes of practice. Uh, it will change your biochemistry and that changes your relationship with your, with your body and with your experience. And it promotes healing because all the healing 
feel-good chemicals are what begin to generate in your system. It changes everything. I love it. And I love that the spiritual practices A to Z. And so it's like one per letter, like for the letter A, affirmation, and, you know, so on, B, breath, C, creativity, D, devotion. And so these are like really just sort of nuggets that I can take 15 minutes today and just focus on. And, and I may do it again tomorrow, same word, same nugget, and, and have a completely different experience. I love how open this um, opportunity is. It really allows me to work with different ideas in the way that I will any given day. Yes, and again, you choose, you have the power to decide what works best for you and what doesn't and to switch it up, but it's also really accessible. And that was what I think we wanted to make sure it could be accessible to people who who can't leave their beds. People, I, I was one of them. You're, you're in bed, and how do you bring nature into your into your environment? How do you bring um, how do you bring uh, music and and movement into your environment when you are bedbound or uh, unable to unable to get out and do that? And so. All of these practices don't require you to have something else. You don't have to purchase something. You don't have to have uh, something besides your physical and mental capacities to do these things, to really change your, change your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, you know, I noticed at the beginning of the book, um, you both were really, you were careful to, to, say that you aren't trying to tell people what to think and what to do. Um, I'm trying to flip to the page. It's in the introduction. Oh, throughout this book, we promise we will not tell you what we think you need to do. We believe the direction you take in healing is unique to you and that you have within you the wisdom and strength to determine what will be best for you. And then you go on and a page later, it's like we're not medical professionals and will not discuss or prescribe medical protocols. We will recommend practices for body, mental, and spiritual well-being, and we encourage you to discuss any insights you derive, derive from your reading with your medical provider. So I, I love that you, you keep that openness, that this is a support and a help, and, and it's not the only support and help that you might need in any given situation. And I just, I think it's important for us to voice that. Right. Thank you for that. You know, I, I also think it's important for people to, to hear that, um, you know, that we do not have the six steps to healing <laughs> you you do this 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 and this and wow you're cured <laughs> you know that's not this book if that's i mean book, that would be the million dollar book right <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i think you know and it's so important and you know we all experience healing in any given circumstance in a variety of ways and and to to create this space and leave it open. So here are tools that you can take with you on your journey, on your healing path, um, but it's going to be your path and your journey uh, and, and the path and the journey of your making. And so to be able to give that space to people, I think is so honoring of the true message that you're giving, which is a message of empowerment. 
Right. Because this is going to cycle, you know, this is not healing is not there. There's no end point. Um, you know, e until you leave this, leave this earth, leave this body, there's no end point for that. So when things come up, it, it goes back to that people feeling that things are missing or broken or wrong about them. If they have had this big healing breakthrough and then all of a sudden something happens and it derails it and they have to start over, which I've done many times. So how do I see myself as whole? How do I still live a full and enjoyable life without having to go back to zero? Well, you don't go back to zero because you're already there. You're already whole. So that's, that's to me, the most important message of this book is that you're going to be doing this throughout your life. So let's equip ourselves with these tools. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, like, I feel like, okay, let's take a deep breath. <laughs> you know, it's, you, we want that. We want the cure, you know, we yeah. want the fix. We want, you know, to let's fix this once and for all so I can move on. And, um, that's just not how it works. It being life, it being the human experience. Um, and, you know, which in, to me increases the value of having a set of tools that can morph with me, that can grow with me, that I can, you know, are tried and true, you know, it's like a hammer or a wrench. You can use it literally and you can use those tools in a million different ways and for a million different ends. And the, the next time you pick it up, you may not be using it for the same reason you did last time. And I think you know, the spiritual tools work in very much the same way. I want to talk um, briefly because we're coming to an end of this lovely hour. Um, but you close your book with uh, share the chapter eight, share your story, inspire others. And one thing that Alicia, that you said at the beginning of the hour was um, that you talked about that, that errant belief that, that false belief or excuse or whatever it is that we often will like this thing happened to me, you know, so that I can help others. And so we, we sort of like, I, you know, I am the martyr for all of humanity. You know, we sort of do that. And it's, that's a choice. Like, I think it's so important to shift that language that it didn't happen to me because of that reason, because someone else needs me to experience pain so that I can alleviate their pain. Like yeah. that's a, it's a really like, there's this, terrible icky nuance to that line of thinking and I know in the moment we often either say it to someone or think it ourselves to sort of grab onto some semblance of hope or reason or purpose um but it's it's this thing happened and now I in my healing journey I can make a, a, a choice to share my story with others I can I can make a choice when it's right for me to do that or not and, and it doesn't validate or invalidate anything about my healing journey. Um, but that choice, you know, is always ours. And, and we give that sense of purpose to it. it. It's not the other way around that I had to experience something, you know, 
harmful or um, hurtful in order to, you know, so that I can be valid in, in this kind of way. But you also acknowledge the power of stories and the power that's in stories, which I think we all can agree, you know, this is why we, we make movies, this, you know, storytelling from the beginning of time has been a way that we connect as um, in community. So, so talk about that and yeah. why you closed your book with, with this idea. Yeah, you you really just uh, hit the nail on the head for me. Uh, we wanted people to be inspired by the stories as we've been inspired by them, but to also understand that ultimately it comes down to to your decision as to whether you you know you look at so many survivors of of abuse and and people asking why have you not come forward until now? Well what is till now? Again, it's what is that time? Because that that time continuum, for me, I might still be that five-year-old. I might still be there in that experience and not able to voice what happened to me, right, as a 38-year-old woman. So what is that? And, And we want people to be able to share and be able to open up if it feels right for them. But if not, to have these stories, these three stories of of people that we know, love, and respect who had massive healings in their lives be a demonstration for what is possible, but not necessarily to say you have to share your story. Uh, One of the, the most powerful things for me was getting to reconnect with Kelly, who shared her story in this book, because the Kelly that I knew, <laughs> the Kelly that shared this story um, was, there was so much light in her, but you couldn't, you couldn't access that. She wouldn't let you access that because she was guarded and she was protecting herself. And to see her now, it, it's like looking at a different person. And the switch that she she went through in her brain because it it was all about her empowering herself. And that was what I love. Mm -hmm. And each of these stories, we were very, I think we were just very aware in the stories that we chose throughout this book to be representational of what most people would experience in their lifetime. You can Mm -hmm. relate to these people, you feel them and you you bring them into your being and and that in itself could be very healing to you whether or not you choose to share your story yes and there's two things that that really to emphasize here one of them is that these stories are not complete <laughs> i mean no. they, they describe the process that they're in now and i we've had conversations with these with these friends and relatives since since they contributed to this book and they're continuing to evolve Uh, my cousin sally has had new fresh awakenings about what you talked about jackie about how she was making it almost mean that you know her son had to die so that she could help others kind of thing and she was literally exhausting herself in in the crusade to help others. And she has had some new awakenings to a different a different stream of what healing means for her today as she has integrated and reconciled uh, and always is working with the patterns of grief that emerge 
from time to time. You can't lose a child by to death for any reason and not have that come back around. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we it, it's something, so there's no finish. There's no end point here. They are evolving and they continue to, and it's not to say life is all roses and it's all better. Now we think this, we think this magic when somebody, you know, shows up on a, on a, on a Ted talk and they're all, all put together and they look like I've overcome but you know, we don't, we, they're dealing with stuff every day, just like you and I are. And to say that out loud, to make that real, is just a healing thing in itself. Yes, it's overcoming, yes. right? It's in, it's in the ever-present tense of, of overcoming, not have overcome. Yes, that's right. And it's being able to recognize, this is a, a key message, we're not here to solve problems, learn lessons, to endure as a proof of our worth, to right wrongs or fix broken parts of ourselves, or to reform, to think that we have to reform ourselves in some way. The real crux of healing is knowing that I am here to choose to live as well as possible every day. Well, I love that you each give a message at the end of the book. And uh, Alicia, the, the very end of your message is, do you feel as if you have been handed a surplus of lemons and don't have the energy to make the lemonade? <laughs> then you may relate to and be encouraged by my experiences. And Linda, at the very end of yours is, if you are someone's parent, caregiver, or friend, you may recognize the challenge of standing as witness for their experience while navigating your own feelings about their circumstances. May our message encourage and support you. So I love that you both are, you know, I, I mean, I don't know who can't relate to, to either of those. This book is for is for you, whoever you are listening. This book is for you, and it's a workable, it's a workbook. It's something that you can use 15 minutes each day, right? 15 minutes each day. Yeah. So let's tell people where they can get the book and how they can keep in touch with the two of you. Sure. Oh, that's our music. Say it real fast. Give us a website. Okay. You can find us on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, and then you can also find me on YouTube under my name. We have um, active videos. Awesome. Thank you both so much. Until next time, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.